just a bunch of witty banter. Good clip, Papa. What's up, everybody? The long wait is over. Witty banter is back. This is episode number 40, and this is a special episode. Not only is it because season four is now beginning, but we are also sitting here at Thirsty Planet Brewing. At the invitation of my friend right here to the right, the best beard in the business, Tyrell Elliott. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, hello. <laughs> and then, of course, to my left is the meticulous master, as always, Hunter Dorsett. HD, what's up? How are we feeling, guys? Pretty, pretty good. I'm, I think I'm going to be now. feel a little better after we start taking down some beer. We have, like, a cornucopia <laughs> of beers in front of us right now. Yeah. And, I, I mean, that's just going to fall in line with the incredibly beer-themed episode we have planned for you for our season opener here. Mm-hmm. We got to do something special today, Hunter. What was that? Well, we got invited by the uh, wonderful Tyrell here to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> and head out to the, uh, to the brewery at uh, you know, Thirsty Planet. Got here, started doing some brewing. He walked us through a lot of the steps of the, the processes that were used. And uh, honestly, I learned way more than I thought I would. Yeah. I understand the process way better than I thought. So see, it was really a learning experience. So yeah, I guess us brewing this beer not only served as a, a way for us to learn about you know, what we've been talking about for the last year, but also so that we can bring the listeners more information, right? So the whole reason that Thir- Thirsty Planet was nice enough to bring us out here was to really help us augment our, our understanding of beer so that we could augment our listener base's understanding of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of is, is, sort of is going to be the theme of the entire episode, right? So I feel as though our... You know, when we first started this whole show, Hunter yes. and Tyrell, you know this as well. Yes. We, you know, I brewed beer once or twice and that we were like interested in it and we wanted to make it a part of the central concept of the show. Yes. And we've sort of just been going off of our own whatever. Know-how. Yeah. yeah like I mean, flimsiness just... <laughs> as far as how, like how we approach it. Um, and I feel like there's people who listen to the show who, who maybe listen for the beer reviews and they, or maybe they don't and they listen for the, just the news. But if you do listen to the beer reviews and maybe you're more interested in getting into it, we wanted to use this episode as a way to help you understand like the tasting, where all the flavors of the beer come from, also just the process in general, to get you just more friendly with with what you've been listening to. Yeah, get you on par with where we're at in our beer journey. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So right on. I think first what we want to do before we get into the individual beers that we have here is sort of let's outline the process of brewing beer. I mean, it's going to be super simple to most people who do know it, but for those who have never even thought about how beer is made, it's you know going to be – it'll shed a little bit of light on it, and we'll be mentioning, of course, the different steps of the process as the episode goes on. So when we've got here at 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m., what was the first thing we did? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, to start the process, you want, you know, one of the key things in brewing beer is uh, sanitation. So the first thing we did was uh, sanitized. The most glorious part of the whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, sanitation is key. Um, And so we started off by preheating the system, getting everything up to up to speed it was cold this morning as you guys remember blisteringly uh, <laughs> cold my toes I, still said, I said bring your coat I, I told you to bring your coat um but yeah so once everything is heated up we start what is called the mash and yeah that is uh 
the first step in brewing is to mash the grain, the cereal grain, the malted barley, uh, to extract the sugars from the malted barley. And the sugars is the fuel essentially for the yeast, which will come later. Um, But what we do is essentially make a sweet tea out of a cereal grain, malted barley, and water. It smells so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you heat the water up, you soak the grains. It smells like oatmeal, looks like oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Tastes better than oatmeal. It tastes just like sugar water and greatness. And that's, that's the mash, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. the mash. Mash. Key, key terms. People will be, be picking out the... Uh, Term number know, one, everybody. You can go and write that in your notebook. Terms of emphasis. School yes. is happening. <laughs> this is, if, if anything else, there'll be a vocab lesson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there will be a quiz at the end. Uh, so the mash, that takes a certain amount of time. Uh, you want to soak the grains and... Y- get the enzymes and the sugars as best as you can out of that. Um, and then you start sparging, which is essentially rinsing the grains to get the rest of the sugars. So you take the first amount of liquid that we started with and you, you get rid of that. And then you add some second sparge water to rinse the grains, essentially trying to get all the sugars out of the, out of the grains. Yeah. So just make sure efficient it's, process. Yeah. it's totally spent as far Squeezing as... Squeezing out all those juices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that first amount of liquid we take off is called the first runnings. Keep uh-huh. that in mind. Uh, we'll, that'll go into play a little bit later when we okay. talk about a different beer. Great. Um, so once we take the first runnings off, we start the second, which is the sparging. And then after that, we should have a full kettle of okay. liquid, which is... None of the grain, all the liquid sugar water, essentially, uh, which at this time is called wort. Okay. W-O-R-T. Where did that word come from? Uh, that's beyond my uh, <laughs> history. His realm of knowledge. It goes back aeons. Uh, but I'll look it up <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. next time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, beer is as old as probably civilization, uh, yeah. so <laughs> I would say it goes back to that. There's, I've, I know that you can. there's books written out there where people think that like the majority of migration way back post or like pre-civilization was just for beer growing. It was like, where can we continue to grow the ingredients we need? I think, yeah, you'd be, I don't know if that's true or not, but you would be surprised at how far back brewing goes in the history that is involved and its impact on civilization. So we sanitized, we mashed, we sparged, Mm-hmm. We filled now the we're, kettle. Now we're in the kettle. Yep. So now we're in a different vessel. So And all this takes place in, in our system with a, a bunch of pumps and uh, right. uh, hoses. And so now we've filled our brew kettle with uh, about 33 and a half barrels for this particular beer. And that's uh, just shy of 1,000 gallons. Jeez. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> of sweet wort. Um, and at this time, what we're going to do is we're going to boil that. And uh, number one, that'll sanitize everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, sanitation is key. And then we will add hops, which is um, the, what adds uh, the bitterness to offset the sweetness of the wort. Also, it adds flavor and aroma. Uh, the amount of hops, the type of hops, the time that you boil the hops all add to these different characteristics in your beer. Yeah, and we, we added hops, what, three different times? Yeah, so we, today we brewed the uh, Thirsty Goat Amber which is an amber beer, real common style, real popular mm-hmm. style among right. all types of beer drinkers. Um, and it is not a specifically hoppy beer. So the hops are mainly there to accentuate the flavors of the malt and to provide a balance. Yeah. A good amber is a balanced beer. Um, I mean, are there beers out there that exist that like straight up just don't put hops in or, you know? Yeah, I- there, there are. Uh, I mean, you won't see them as much in American styles these days because really American style these, is, is hop forward. Yeah. It likes the right. bitter hoppy IPAs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, a one that comes to mind is a Berliner Weiss, which is a um, German style beer that is really light. It's uh, usually about half wheat 
half mm. malted barley in the recipe, and they like the original recipe, they didn't actually boil. They bittered the wort with just a small amount of hops. Like really? We put in a couple, you know, pounds worth of hops for our batch. And a batch that size, they put in a half pound, a couple ounces, once. Really? Just, wow. just, just to get a touch of it in the flavor. Just mm. for a little so, bit. Oh, yeah. Just a tiny bit. All right, <laughs> so what? We crank that thing up. We got so then we boil it. Yeah, so we boil it for an hour and a half, and we add hops uh, at, right at the beginning. So we boil those hops for an hour and a half. And then we added hops an hour later, so half an hour left mm-hmm. of the boil. And then we added hops at the very, very end. So yeah. The ones at the beginning for bitterness, the ones in the middle add flavor, and the ones at the end add the aroma. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because you said in I, a when, when you put them in the beginning, you're basically just getting all the oil out, but then everything else flavor-wise just boils off, yep. right? Yep. So you're just getting the bitterness. That's really what's what's left of those hops. At that so, point. like, those IPAs that are super bitter, super hoppy, they're just probably dumping a whole bunch there right at the beginning. Yep, yep. And you use, depending on the style of beer, but you generally use a... a a hop variety that has a high alpha acid content, mm-hmm. which is kind of the what you can use to judge uh, uh, bittering units or IBUs, which yeah. is a term people throw around maybe too often. Uh, really? That, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of a, some people will act like they know what they're talking about just because they throw the vocab IBUs out uh-huh. there. Right. Uh, it's a relative thing. It's kind of a subjective thing. Hmm. There is a scale, but it's all based on someone's flavor. So um, it is. It is definitely something to use, or it can be abused like anything else. Right, because you uh, see that. I see that tagged on glasses and yeah. stuff all the time. And it's usually when they have a very strong beer, they want to say, "I have a lot of IBUs." Right. I have a really bitter beer. So right. Generally in the IPA category. Mm-hmm. For an amber, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even want to know. Yeah. Okay, so we got all of our yeah the so boils going. So boils going. We added our hops. Uh, so then what we do is we whirlpool it, and then that's essentially spinning the liquid in a circle to kind of get a centrifugal, centrifugal, there's another term I can't even say. <laughs> Write uh, that one down, Centrifugal people. action to get the hops and the other proteins uh, and you know solids that are still in the, maybe some grain left over from the mash that made its way into the kettle. We want all that to separate out, and we don't want that in the final beer. Right. We want a clear, bitter wort at this point. Uh, with no sediment. Uh, so that whirlpool action will get that all to uh, to stick together and adhere. And so then when we drain the liquid off, that stays and the liquid comes out. And the next we vocab, just, uh, we just got favorite yeah. word of the day, um, <laughs> trube, T-R-U-B-E or T-R-U-E-B. One of the, I can't remember how to spell it exactly, but trube. That stuff was nasty, man. It, yeah, it's kind of a brown, <laughs> stinky slug. I don't think I got to see yeah, it. Yeah, you were in you, here setting up. It, uh, you missed out. It looks I'm like sorry. the the residue from like a horror film or something. It's nasty. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't smell very good. Either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some dirty sides to the brewing uh, process, and Trube is one of them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so after the boil, uh, you take the take the the Trubeless liquid. Yes. And you you want to take that from boiling very hot to a temperature that the yeast, which is our fourth ingredient of the day. I guess we didn't really go into that. Uh, the ingredients per Which se. Which is like, we found, Hunter and I, that yeast is just the unsung worker. It's the hero. Everything, Yeah, man. they're yeah. Little, the little abused workhorses <laughs> yeah. uh, in the brewing industry. Um, don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> we have been riding their coattails been, Yeah, we use their free labor for, for <laughs> yeah. years. We didn't say we'd be bringing that up on the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, yeah, so, so take, that, take that hot wort and run it through a plate exchanger, heat exchanger. Uh, which will then spit out cold, colder, 68 degrees roughly, uh, wort, 
that we can then put into a fermenter to age into beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the main ingredient that, that will turn it, the sticky bitter wort into beer is the yeast. Um, a yeast is a microorganism that eats the sugars that we extracted from the grain, from the malt, and produces CO2 and alcohol. Right. So <laughs> glorious. They, yep, they're awesome little buggers. Can they you imagine if like work. what we ate produced alcohol? You know, <laughs> we wouldn't even. We would we not need. need yeah, we wouldn't need uh, septic tanks. <laughs> yeah, we would just need kegs. Just <laughs> flush it right into the keg. <laughs> yes. That's all you need. Bottle that right yep. straight up. <laughs> Some guy's getting paid millions because his potential. Okay, I'll stop there. <laughs> but you could see where we would yeah. go, of course, <laughs> in the outtakes. Um, yeah. So. The, basically, we wait for the yeast to do their job. They will uh, eat the sugars, make the CO2 and alcohol, and it uh, takes a couple days for them to do what they need, and mm-hmm. then they uh, will, vocab word number nine, flocculate, Boom. which is the word for uh, yeast falling out of suspension. So okay. they will... We, we use an ale yeast, and here's a... If you wanted to know the difference between an ale and a lager... Yeah, is, lay it yes. on us. ...mainly uh, the yeast... That is used and the temperature it's fermented at. Okay. So a lager uses a lagering yeast, which feeds from the bottom of the tank mm-hmm. and is usually um, fermented at a colder temperature, say 50 degrees. Okay. Whereas a ale yeast, which most most common beers today are ales because uh, they are a little bit easier to produce, mm-hmm. is a top fermenting yeast that ferments at a warmer temperature, somewhere in the range now, of 60 to 80 Do degrees. those temper temperature differentials create any like differences in like character of the beer or like flavor or maybe even how it feels um i would say you know the feel maybe not so much but definitely uh it can add to the flavor um adds to the body sometimes too generally Mm -hmm. this is not there's always exceptions but generally lagers are a little bit thinner yeah they are uh, smoother in the in the mouth feel than say a uh, a stout Okay. An ale stout. But you can also, there are hybrids out there. You can use a lager yeast, but ferment it at a warmer temperature. Mm-hmm. So that'll give you a different, that'll give you different flavors. Or you mm-hmm. can do a uh, ale yeast that you ferment at a cold temperature and you get different hybrids. And that's generally not what you do. But if you know what you're doing in <laughs> certain beer styles, you can pull that off. Yeah, I feel like at every step in the process, you've pretty much said like, and there's also people who are masters who have completely turned that up on the side of its head and can try anything. Yeah, it's brewing is a, a very simple process that will take a lifetime for someone to master, if right. anyone could say that. And it's, yeah. it's a lot of science. It's chemistry, right. a little bit of engineering in the actual brewing process itself, but so mainly, it, mainly chemistry. It took us, what, how many hours to get <coughs> from the mash to putting it up in the fermentator? Like um, six? Yeah, about six hours for us. And so mm. how long is it going to stay up in that ferment, fermenter until it's going to be kegged? Generally, uh, about say, uh, three weeks, about 21 days. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can, uh, if you want to age a beer, you yeah. can ferment longer. Um, or if you want to, if you need to get it out quicker, we could probably squeeze a week and a half. Or mm-hmm. a you know, week and a half to two weeks out of it. But Okay. The, to get it where we want it, to get it to attenuate is another word, uh, when the yeast eats all the sugars and gets it down to the, uh, the gravity uh, that you want it at, um, it's about three weeks. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so it ferments for about three days, give or take, uh, at 68 degrees, the, basically the temperature that the wort was when it went into the tank. Okay. And then when the yeast is done 
with its main ferment, primary fermentation, it'll flocculate, it'll fall out of suspension, or it'll slow down and they'll stop doing some, as much work. So then what you'll do is you crash the beer down to a cold temperature. So um, about 33 degrees, then the, the rest of the yeast will then flocculate completely down out of suspension. So the beer will be on top and the yeast slurry will be below the beer. Perfect. And so then we will drain that yeast off and reuse it for other beers. And that's one way we keep, you know, a brewery can keep its consistency up is reusing its own yeast, um, maintaining. And it doesn't, it doesn't like change the quality of how, how the yeast is performing whenever you use it multiple times or anything? No, I mean, like anything else, you wouldn't, you don't want to, you don't want to abuse it. So right. we use, we'll use a generation, say a family of yeast, uh, for a month They've or two. They've got families too, man. <laughs> like these, these yeah. yeast, they're, they're like rabbits. Incredible. They do reproduce like crazy. Uh, we're, we're talking millions of cells. They and, work you know, for free producing the things we want most. They have families. You can't, you gotta cards. keep, you gotta keep them alive. Like they have habitats. It's amazing. They're just, yeah, they're to be abused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. But no, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't hurt to reuse the yeast. It's actually cost beneficial. Nice. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I had a blast today, even just hoking around and picking up like big old bags of malt and just feeling like a man. I really hope that by the end of this process, I was going to have like a beard like you would. Yeah. Turns out I didn't yeah. get any manlier today. Uh, yeah. In fact, no. the cold made me feel less so, but Point you know, that's a different, different story <laughs> entirely. Um, so before we hop right in to all the beers and stuff, I know that being here at Thirsty Planet at this specific point in time is a little uh, special because you guys just started doing your bottling, right? Yeah, this, yeah, correct. So do you want to tell us a little about that and sort of what the plans are? Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had a bottling line at the brewery for as long as I've been here, and it's been something that was always um, something that we were just thankfully too busy to get to, uh-huh. um, yeah. which is a good problem to have. Um, uh, right now, Thirsty Planet beer is only on draft only Uh in keg sales around uh the three counties around austin Mm -hmm. um and believe it or not that's kept us busy for the past four and a half years i believe it because it is literally everywhere yeah and that's and that's uh i think brian the owner uh has built up a strong following for his beer um just with the keg sales and we finally uh were able to get our bottling line up and running uh to production capacity if you will and uh, so our, our flagship beer, our Thirsty Goat Amber, will be in stores coming soon. Awesome. Um, yeah, around town. And, like, yeah, we saw the box that the six-pack is going to come in, and I love it's the way dope. the box looks. Like, you nice. never see a, a, a box six-pack ever. Well, I so. think you do, but not in, like, craft beers. I feel like most of the boxes usually come from, like, Shiner or, like, uh, well, no, actually not for a six-pack. I don't think I ever have. Yeah, I see. Like, maybe, like, a 12 or something. Yeah, but it's usually 12. And I just love the goofy picture of the goat, man. Like, <laughs> let's. Um, the goat is cool. Anyway, people, people love the goat. Yeah, the goat sure. is great. I mean, yeah. It's the one we brewed today. Yeah, uh, the, bo- the box is nice because um, I mean, one, it gets our brand out there in a, like a full way and not a half of a crate. Yeah. Um, it, you know, there's a little more cardboard involved than maybe say a normal six pack carrier, but it, it actually is easier to carry, I think, in the box. And um, I, I, I think that you could frame that thing. Brewing, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want it on my pic- on my wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think Boulevard was kind of an inspiration for some of their packaging. They use a box, and it's and it's nice because if you turn the box ninety degree or yeah ninety degrees, yeah, you know you still get the logo that meshes with the other side of the box. So Wait, that's cool. No matter how it sits on the shelf, it's it's a good looking. 
good-looking package. Well, I got to say, I've been staring at these beers this whole time. Yeah, they're getting warm. Not, yeah, not <laughs> drinking them is starting to hurt. So let's go ahead and bounce in. Uh, this is Woody Banter. That was like, uh, that was sexy. Yeah, it was sultry, <laughs> man. <laughs> so the beer that we brewed today was the flagship beer. It was the Thirsty Goat, correct? Yes, sir. Um, so that's the beer that we're going to start with. Now, Makes sense. What we're going to do, like I said early in the show, I want this episode to be sort of like a guide on how to taste beer, um, what to taste for, and then once we have kind of identified what we're tasting, maybe say in where in the process these flavors came from. You know, like just, just for the people who have never gotten into it and they want to dip their foot into this realm. Sure. So... As I'm taking the first sip of the Thirsty Goat, go ahead and, and describe to me what I can expect from it. Okay. Um, so, you know, disclaimer, uh, I do get paid to make beer. Uh, <laughs> I would, you know, say I know more about beer than your average American, but I would never claim to be an expert. It's something that uh, takes a lot of time, especially in tasting. Tasting is a subjective thing, and uh, it, it really only gets better with practice. Um, so with that said, uh, our Thirsty Goat is an amber. It's, it's about 6.8% uh, alcohol. It's got 30 IBUs, if you want to know the IBU. Uh, generally, that means it's not that bitter. It's, it's, the, the bitterness should be noticeable, yeah. but it should balance out Now, something the that was really bitter would be malt. around, like, what, 80 to 100? I mean, 80 to 100 is a pretty bitter beer. Your, your general IPAs just ballpark start in the 60s and okay. go anywhere from there. Um, our, our IPA is 80 and that's pretty high. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once you start getting into the hundreds, that's when people are trying to knock you out with hops like that. They're, <laughs> they're making doing it on statement. purpose at that yeah, point. They're doing, yeah. yeah. It's, you didn't accidentally get that bitter. Um, so yeah, the thirsty goats and amber ale, uh, generally with an amber, you get a lot of the, you really want the malt to shine. And, and by when I say malt, that is the, the grain that you use in the recipe. Um, Malted barley is what 90% of beers are made out of mm -hmm. as their base ingredient. You right. can add things like, um, there's things called adjuncts, which you can use. Uh, the big guys, the big breweries use them to replace malted grain because it's cheaper and you can get a lot of tasteless sugars out of them. Yeah, so what is it? What is an adjunct? Uh, a rice oh, or okay. corn. Um, now you can use those in a you can use those to good effect or you can use them to make your beer cheaper. Okay. Um, not to, that's a whole other story. That's we a whole other quality discussion. Uh, so, yeah. But an adjunct is something that you would add in addition. So the to, malts, to the malts that we used in this beer, we had the so two row. Base two row, which is uh -huh. a standard base malt for most beers. And do most, beers. like most beers, even across the board, like that's the one that yeah. becomes the backbone essentially. Yeah. You want to build, you want to build a recipe with a, a lot of grains that you can just uh, efficiently get sugar from to, right. make, to make the alcohol. Um, it doesn't take a lot of specialty grain to, get, to change the color or to change the flavor of a beer. So for the recipe, the Thirsty Goat, we're about three, two-thirds, I'd say, of just two-row, and then the other third comes from specialty grains, okay. which include uh, Munich malt and some C60 mm -hmm. and some Carapils. And, and now, even just smelling the beer and tasting it, it does have like almost a little bit of spice to it. And do, is this, that spice coming from 
those like the Munich malt in particular or you know some a lot of beer descriptors you'll say that says like nutmeg or clove spices is that them like actually adding those specific things or are those just flavors coming through from the malts that they use sure that's a good question um generally those flavors are, are not act- those ingredients that you would you know associate with those flavors are not specifically in the beer yeah. i know i mean you can use cloves in beer but generally when someone says it tastes like cloves it's not because that spice was added right um so in the thirsty goat it's it's just malted barley water hops and yeast there is no mm-hmm. spices added now you can get the spiciness from a little bit from the grain but yeah. usually from the hops really it's a it's a hop character yeah so wow. the, the we use the hallertau hops that we were talking about the yeah. german hops that adds a nice spiciness to it okay so um, it's almost like a earthy sort of yeah so that's kind of the spicy character you get i think is from the hops there Excellent. Um, now, it can be confusing sometimes because you'll swear that an ingredient is in a beer, and it's no, it's just a combination. You yeah. Know? Like I was saying, we we have that one that we added a yeast to, and it makes it taste like bubble gum. We did not put bubble gum in That's the beer. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and like I said, it's subjective too. So a lot of times people will taste something that someone else doesn't taste. Right. Now, the more you refine your palate, or the more you practice, the better you can get at describing the flavors you taste in a way that someone else would understand. But at the same time, I feel like a pretty big barrier to most people trying to taste beer or taste anything really and say, like, this is what I taste, is that they think they're going to be wrong. So when you say it's subjective, you can, I mean, that also means that, like, taste what you taste and just whatever you can use to describe it, like, go for it kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think the thing that I like, uh, one of the things I love about beer, craft beer, is that it does appeal to a wide variety and the, and the variety just in general is endless. So, mm-hmm. um, I like what I like and it might not be what you like, but it doesn't matter because we're both going to find what we want right. at least at, in a little quant- at least in some small quantity or if not a large quantity. <laughs> um, and, and so, I mean, since we're speaking of our, of our Amber beer, it's, it's our definitely our most popular beer. Um, I like to say it keeps the lights on. Yeah. It's, this is um, the one that I literally see on every tap wall anywhere I go. Yeah. And, and I, I believe the reason that is, is that um, I like to call amber beers gateway beers yeah. because, <laughs> because they appeal to just a large variety of people. Maybe you're not a craft beer drinker, but you'll generally reach for an amber or over some other style that's maybe a little bit harder to get into at first. I can totally see amber beers being a kind of strand that people transition out of the light beer phase. And they start Definitely. trying trying new things, and the amber is like, okay, well, yeah, I can totally deal with this. Yeah, and it, it's mainly because it has it has flavor. It's 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 not a yeah. it's a complex beer if you if, compared to some styles, and it's but it's easy to drink. It's got a lot of flavor, but it's not overpowering in any one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what turns some people off to beer, maybe if they like light beer, cheap beer. Exactly, is and then you hand them like the Stone IPA. Yeah, Good luck. yeah, and I remember, I mean, when I used. To, when I started drinking craft beer or beer in general, I did not like bitterness. Now, right. uh, now I do. And my, yeah, my taste buds have changed. Like I, I can tell you, or I can notice the change. Um, and of course that's as you get older, bitterness becomes more appealing sweetness. You lose the taste buds, but yeah. So with this one, I mean, an Amber, you said pretty much having a pretty solid malt base. So it's going to be a little bit sweeter. And then we didn't put too many hops on it. So that bitterness like is there, but it's super subtle. And I guess it's just pretty much there to balance against that sweetness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a good a good amber is is a balanced beer. Um, 
you know, if it starts getting too hoppy, you're getting into different styles. You could call it just a hoppy red. Yeah. Um, so th- huh. those lines start to get blurred. But yeah. an amber beer is ne- generally not known as a hoppy beer, a hop forward beer. Mm-hmm. But they are there. You want, you know, you want to, it is beer. You want it to be bitter a little bit. Yeah. Um, now I'll say we tried the hop infused wort yep. um, from the brew that we did. And to me, I feel like I'm picking up on spices that I didn't necessarily pick up on from that. And I was wondering, like, do you have beers where you're actually putting in spices into, like, while it's fermenting and stuff? Or, or is, is most of your spice work done from the malt and the grain that you're using? <laughs> um, that, that's a good point. Um, generally, like, for all of our normal beers, no, we don't add any spice. Um, but our seasonal beer that we, we have, um, the Gorilla Back Pale Ale. Yeah, we we actually do add a spice. Well, co- to oh, cool. The, to that Where does that process. come in at the in, during the boil? Yeah, do you do actually, that? so we add, we we kind of use it twice. What we'll do is it's called grains of paradise, uh-huh. and it's it's a little seed that you grind up, and it essentially is like pepper. It's okay. like a black pepper. It smells really good. <laughs> um, we put that in a in a in a bag, sort of like a tea bag, and what we'll do is during the whirlpool. We put that in there, and it'll slosh around and extract some of the flavor from Give it. Give some flavor. And then we also take that same same amount of grain that we or spice that we use, and we'll put it in the hop back, which is a a box with a screen that we basically will infuse the the wort through one final time with hops. And so we put the spices and the hops in there, and so then we kind of soak the beer make it travel through the grains as as well yeah, so see, it's, it's a subtleness but it's there i feel like if i was a mad scientist and got to make beer all day i'd be putting like garlic in there and like all kinds of <laughs> crazy italian stuff. seasoning pepperonis <laughs> and you, some salami and you, in there <laughs> salami that'd beer. be disgusting I, <laughs> I think i remember you guys trying to meet beer that you didn't like that much <laughs> yeah, yeah right. it was not yeah not preferable <laughs> it it is a sign it is a balancing act to try and get all those things and make them all work together. <laughs> I'm super pumped that I'm drinking the beer that I just made, though. I mean, not that, like, I made this is the exact one, but this is yeah, what we did. It's, it, yeah, you get a it's, little proud from it. It's a cool <laughs> feeling. I can't say it really gets old. It doesn't really ever get old. <laughs> sure, that's, man. That's nice. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. We're uh-huh. going to go ahead and do... So you've got the Buckethead IPA, which is, like, your signature. Okay. The Right, your signature IPA. Yeah, yeah. And so, but what we have in front of us is the double bucket head. Correct. Um, These guys don't want to mess around. Away. They didn't want to drink the regular IPA. They wanted the big <laughs> double IPA. Look, so, we ain't got uh, much in our stomachs. To that. We're going Can a long way. you blame us, dude? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, been a long day of brewing. We better drink <laughs> the, the double. I'm going to reward myself for um, kind of helping. Better go with the double. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a, double, it's a double IPA, which is a term for just kind of the, mis- the name that a strong IPA or uh, it's a style category. You know, IPA stands for India Pale Ale, mm-hmm. which um, there's some history behind that. But basically, IPAs are known for being more hot forward than, say, your amber beers. Right. Uh, they're generally lighter in color um, than an amber, and they are generally quite a bit more hoppy up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bitterness lingers on the tongue. So when you um, say up front, are you talking like... In the mouth taste? Are you talking about when the smell or maybe even both? Uh, both. Uh, generally, like up front first would be the aroma. Mm-hmm. So whenever I like whenever I try a beer, um, I smell it first. Yeah. I, I smell it. 
Um, because <laughs> smell the hell I mean, smell them. Smell is a big taste part of taste, a big component of taste. Um, and IPAs are generally known to have uh, a strong floral or you know uh, aromatic quality. Versus, okay. um, so if you were to smell the Thirsty Goat, you would get probably the, the malt character more so. Yeah, it's right. syrupy. In a yeah. Way. yeah, yeah. Then you would the hops. Now with our IPA, if you smell it, same with the double IPA, you're gonna get the hops. Yep. First, it smells like we stuck our head in the yeah. bucket that we used to pour them in. Yeah, there pretty exactly. Much. <laughs> um, and then the taste, of course, up front you'll get the hops. It wouldn't quite like with the with the thirsty goat, you get the hop, you get the bitterness toward on the back. Yeah, toward on the end. I wouldn't quite say aftertaste, but towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then well, with an IPA or a hop forward beer, you would you would just basically taste that all the way through. Okay, you're gonna notice it up front. You're gonna taste it, and then it's gonna end that way. Did, did we describe any of the characteristics of this yet? Or? No, we haven't. Okay. Um, so our regular IPA, the Buckethead, is, is strong for an IPA in itself at almost 9% alcohol and 80 IBUs. Um, so the double Buckethead is going to be more than that, and it's close to 12% alcohol with almost 100 IBUs. Damn. So remember I told you to <laughs> remember the, the term... First running, first runnings. Thank you, Chase. I can't even Bingo. remember what I told you to remember. I think that's a one zero. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. He's I didn't know we were competing. <laughs> we'll have to bring beer to class so you can pay attention. <laughs> I would. Easy test. Um, so the first runnings is the more concentrated liquid that we pull off of uh, the mash, and for the double bucket head, that's all we use. So okay. we have. Roughly the same amount of grain, same ingredients as we did for the regular bucket head, but we don't sparge it. We don't rinse it. So we don't get any more diluted water that's diluted with some sugars mm-hmm. um, like we would for the normal IPA. And so we're going to have half the amount of liquid, all of the concentrated sugars, which then is more fuel for the yeast to eat, and then same amount of liquid. So you're going to get a lot more alcohol per volume than you would with a regular IPA. Now, it's not quite double. Um, That might be a misnomer to some, but um, we also add more hops to this one to offset that extra sweetness. That extra sweetness. Now, do you you let the yeast eat through almost all of the extra sugar, or do you allow it to kind of still hold on to some of that sweetness? Like, is that sweetness unavoidable, or is it also kind of a choice? It's it's more so, and you're starting to get into some science above my head. Um, but <laughs> it's okay. more so. But it's definitely above mine. It's more so that the yeast. Well, the yeast does what the yeast does, and um, you can basically like judge around that. You can't force it to do anything really. The only thing you can control with yeast really is the temperature that you ferment at. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't put enough in there, or if you know, the amount of sugar in your wort wasn't where you wanted it. You kind right. of out of luck at that point. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the yeast, the yeast just has a lot more work to do when there's that much more alcohol in there. So it will multiply more. It will f- ferment a little more violently. And then by that, I mean, it'll, it'll produce a lot more CO2 right up front and bubble like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of unavoidable for it to get all the sugars that are in there. So that's why when you have an imperial IPA or a double IPA, they're going to be sweeter it's just the style okay um you would have you could probably ferment all that sugar out but it would take a lot more aging yeah. you probably have to re-pitch yeast 
Um, to get then you more would kind of, new, one, new yeah, ones in there. and you kind of lose some of that style. If I mean, you'd end up with a very, very alcoholic, dry beer. Yeah. And generally with a double IPA, you want it to be a little sweeter, a little more syrupy, I guess is a term right. that you could use for it. It's yeah, definitely I just a, tried this, and it's not bitter. Like, it's not as bitter as I thought it would be, which, yeah. you know, is nice. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no, I like it. It's it's the sweetness is there, but all of you get bar, like kind of barraged by hops, and yeah, you're right. It's not incredibly bitter, but at least the smell is there, and it to- yeah. and it goes along super nicely, offsetting the sweetness of it. Yeah, it's uh, it, that's a balancing act too. Um, so that's why we add more hops because it is sweeter. Um, um, but like I said, the bitterness is relative. Now, you know, there's a quite a bit more hops in there, so it's going to be more bitter than than the IPA, but like it's also more sugar so you'll get a little bit sweeter do you know why it was named the Buckethead and is that a reference to the guitar player Buckethead uh, uh, <laughs> as far as I know no it's not a reference to the Buckethead uh, <laughs> I believe it came about um, that you kind of saw how we put the, the hops into the yeah, yeah. Right. into the brew we used buckets so the, the IPA was multiple buckets so it was like we just dumping buckets of hops in there right that makes sense. And kind of if you drink too many, it's like you've got a bucket on your head <laughs> yeah, and you kind of want to take a nap. <laughs> or maybe you want to put a bucket on your head. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where it came what from. What about the Thirsty Goat? Like, that is just the goofiest name. The label's super goofy. Yeah. Where did that name come I, from? So that one, I'm not 100% sure, but I know that the, the goat, the Thirsty Goat, has to do with the fact that when Brian kind of came up with the idea, kind of what he built the brewery around, I think his, his idea was... Um, using beer as a way to enable other things. So he wanted to use uh, beer as a way to, to donate to charity. Oh, wow, so, that's great. And I, I believe we still do this. I'm not sure what the proportion is, but some proceeds of Thirsty Goat sales go to providing um, livestock or animals for people in third world countries. Oh. So the goat, which is, is you so know, awesome. a staple, like one goat can provide a lot for a family in another country where they use the milk or where they use mm-hmm. it to eat the weeds or whatever other sustenance it can provide. So I think that's kind of where it came from was that that beer was used to provide for that in that realm. So, And they're still siphoning you know, off the proceeds for that? I, I believe, yeah, I believe we still uh, donate a certain proceeds of Thirsty Goat to, awesome. to those, that charity. Yeah. That's awesome. super awesome. Yeah. Um, well, while I'm still finishing up my last little bit, another question I have for you is, so we had a pretty long day in the, in the back here brewing, and we had some downtime, you know, in between some of the boils and all that. Sure. So, like, what do you kind of do on a semi-daily basis when you come in and brew to keep it interesting? Keep it fresh. Yeah, not monotonous to where it, it stops, it doesn't feel like a chore or anything, you know. Obviously, you, you love it. Cause sure. It, it, yeah, it, it is work. Um, you know, like brewing on a production scale is, is just work, right. generally. Um, but um, I guess what, what do I do is, I mean, there's, there's generally always something that can be done. So multitasking around here. So yeah. if, it's not, if it's not specifically brewing, it's getting ready for the next brew, the, one, the person who comes after me, or setting up for something down the, down the line, like a getting the bottling line prepared for, for whenever we do our next run. Um, I also, I mean, really what helps me pass the time when I'm in between breaks or if I'm doing something repetitive, I, I like to listen to music or, um, I mean, we'll, we'll crank the tunes good, in the back. He's got good music taste. I can, uh, <laughs> what do you, what do y'all jam? Like, 
Y'all were listening to communal music in the back, right? Sure. I mean, generally, I my music is a little more offensive to some people. Like, I like my heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do. <laughs> so, depending on who's back there, I'll crank it up or I'll put on something a little more. I like to call it friend safe. You know, friend something, safe. Something safe for the <laughs> safe masses. Safe for work. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll definitely listen to some witty banter. You know, once in a while. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. Well, That's right. <laughs> shameless plug. I'm not. <laughs> I do like spoken word. Um, so generally, I, lately I've been finding myself trying to maximize my intellectual intake. So listening yeah. to a book on tape. So, And, I, you know, I, I do get to brew all day, but I do want to learn more. And it's an ever, you know, the knowledge can always grow. So I, I've been listening to some beer books lately. and uh, Awesome. Yeah, I plan to do that some more. It's a good way to spend the time, like listen yeah. to it yeah. yeah also last week we broke out a, a chess board and played chess in between <laughs> how's your uh, record it's last I mean I don't uh, oh I lost two games two games to nothing to ban so I'm working on getting yeah you gotta get back that. on yeah. that man yeah so it's, but, uh, dude, it's, it's it, rare that it you get to do to something like that chess. at work yeah yeah, chess is, it's funny, you take it personally. Yeah, it's, every, it's, it's they don't care game. who you are, but you do. When yeah, you it's, it's another chess. thing, it's a relatively, well, I mean, relatively simple game, yet it takes a lifetime to master. It's like the beer would, of board games, yeah. if you will. <laughs> I don't lose chess because I don't Tie, play yeah. chess. <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's good policy. <laughs> it's a good mantra. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so I, I mean, are you guys ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, sure. I'm down. Sure. So let's go ahead and do the, uh, the yellow armadillo then. Okay. Now... What style is this, and what can we expect from it? Sure. So this one is a, it's is a really simple beer, but uh, it car- it, there's a little bit of a, I don't know, I say stigma in the beer world. that I hold the stigma, so sure. uh, talk me off hope, the cliff, Hopefully man. this one can change your mind a little Smash bit. It. It's, it's, it's a wheat beer, um, and a lot of times when people think, Wheat beer, they think, oh, kind of a Hefeweizen, uh, which is a stand, which is a really popular style and uh, is a good style, but um, it's not for everybody in that it generally has like a, a banana-y flavor to it. Just yeah, in fruity the almost. It's kind of fruity. In general, sure. Blue Moon has. Yeah. I always thought Blue Moon tasted like blueberry. I always thought me. it tastes like orange. Yeah, and um, a lot of think. times Hefeweizens will will either be brewed with some citrus, or yeah. they will put an orange in it. Right, uh, hardcore beer people will get upset if you put an orange in their beer. Uh, you're <laughs> gonna ruin the integrity of my yeah. drinking. Experience. The beer should stand for itself. You don't need to put fruit in it. Um, <laughs> but to each his own. Uh, and I'm not to say that shock top at a ball game with an orange in it is bad. It's a refreshing <laughs> um, little experience, there. you know. And and that's a style that became popular. And then the some of the bigger breweries uh, put out a beer to try and capitalize on that popularity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Shock Top is not a bad beer, but it is definitely a brand killer or a, what they call it, a a style killer where they, they could easily put out a beer like that to, to just use their marketing muscle or whatever to try to compete with like a smaller beer. Yeah. It was a similar style. So, Um, but that works and it doesn't work. I think some people see right through that too. Uh, in the industry, but that's a whole other, like I said, whole other thing. That's, that's uh, the next so, beer podcast we so, do. Yeah, <laughs> we can go on a rant. <laughs> uh, but speak, so, so wheat beers, generally, if it's made with wheat as an ingredient, you can call it a wheat beer. Uh-huh. Certain, there's somewhere in that proportion of the grain bill, which is the... It needs to be the, at least 5%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the beer people, you know, do sound like that. Uh, <laughs> the beer snobs, if you will. Uh, ours is 50% wheat, 50% two-row. Very simple. Okay. Um, in the grain So, yeah, bill. I was going to ask, when, when you say wheat, you're basically including wheat in the mash, and uh, it's a part of the yep. malt base. So, so the, the malted grain, we have malted wheat. 
So okay. yeah, instead of barley, it's wheat. Um, wheat adds a certain character to it. Um, it adds a, wheat will generally add a little bit of a body to it. So like mm-hmm. a Hefeweizen is generally a little bit more body to it than like a true Pilsner or a straight now does, two row beer. When you say more body, do you mean more alcohol? Or do you mean like a thicker mouthfeel and maybe that has can only be achieved because of more alcohol or so body more alcohol wouldn't necessarily mean more body, but body does mean mouthfeel. It means mm-hmm. what is the liquid feel thicker? Like a milkshake has a lot of body to it yeah. versus water has no body to it. Uh, so a stout, thick mouthfeel, right? Pilsner, very, thin, very little, yeah. if you will. Uh, so this, yeah, this kind of reminds me of a Pilsner in that yeah. sense. And I think our, our wheat beer uses uh, the same house yeast that we use. It's an American ale yeast which is generally where Hefeweizens, the yeast, flavor, the yeast adds that banana-y flavor that people do or don't like. I personally don't like it. Yeah, uh, it's not, If no. it's subtle, I don't mind it. But um, that's generally the yeast, the characteristic that the yeast gives to Hefeweizens. Um, and sometimes you will find that Hefeweizens are unfiltered, which is... Generally, most beers are filtered, so mm-hmm. that's not noticeable, or, you know, not a big... Not worth noting, but... If it's unfiltered, you can tell because the beer is kind of cloudy. You can't yes. really see through it. See, that's what I'm. That's, that's what I'm used to. Yeah. Sure, and that's a specific to that. Generally, to that style. Not only, but also. Mostly and that's what I've been beers. noticing here is, you know, I've almost made a one-to-one correlation with wheat beers and cloudy beers, but sure. the one we have now is super clear. Yeah. Clear yellow. I mean, we do filter it, um, and filtering it doesn't do anything to the flavor necessarily. It just makes the beer look good. Yeah. Um, so an unfiltered beer is nothing wrong with an unfiltered beer. It's I guess it's just, style. A, it's just a, style just a style preference thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a style choice. And I think also it goes back to, you know, when they didn't have filtering methods. And so when you made a wheat beer, it was cloudier than a, an all barley beer just because of the properties that the wheat lends to it as it's it maybe a little more of the husk or whatever in there that makes it a little cloudier right. um, in, the, in, the, in the beer. Um, but yeah, our wheat beer really it was I think was made to kind of fit that niche of a light beer with some flavor. Yeah. So the wheat adds a little flavor and a little little body, not much. I mean, you don't get much body out of this. So it's really um, just a sessionable, crisp beer, and it has none of those negative characteristics of a Hefeweizen, if mm-hmm. if that's a, is negative to you. Yeah, right? this seems really straightforward. And sessionable was the exact word I was going to use. A word actually invented on witty banter. It's never been used before until we used it. So you guys coined that term. We yeah. like to claim. Right I'm that, glad yeah. our influence has cool. reached Thirsty Planet Brewery. You know, <laughs> what's funny is well, we drank a beer that was like it advertised itself as. Yeah, session. it was like incredibly sessionable. Yeah, sure. we we had never heard that before. So yeah, we're like, let's whole... use that word from now on. It turns out the whole beer community was like honestly sick of that word. Yeah. <laughs> we're just like championing it. There, there is a yeah. There's a whole term. I mean, full sail brewing out of Oregon or uh, Oregon or Washington Pacific Northwest. They used to make a beer called Session, and it was just a beer like that you could drink. Yeah. It's kind of like a, I don't know if it was a lager or not, but yeah. I mean, it's it's generally a term for a beer that's lower in alcohol, so mm-hmm. that you can drink a few and not, you know, yeah. feel the effect. Not have a bucket under it. And it's light in <laughs> body, so that you're not like full from it. You okay. know, you're not gonna session a stout because it's just. Thick, you be one you know? and done. It's a lot. It's the same amount of liquid, but it's just thicker. Right. So, so yeah, this is a thin beer. It's uh, low and it's like four point seven percent alcohol. The ABU, the IBUs are eighteen, so that's not even worth noting. It's very exactly. low. But I mean, um, you do put hops in it. Yeah, we do. 
Yeah. I mean, you get, you got to add a little bit of hops to it just to just to keep it. I mean, you don't want it to just be this like weird carbonate. It'd be like soda. It'd be kind of sugary yeah. without any of that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even if you don't notice it, it's there to balance it out so that you don't notice it. See, that's right. how that's how I feel is like I honestly don't even taste it that much. Like when I smell the beer, I just I get that it smells like wheat, you know, and it's wheat is a hard smell to describe. I feel like you just need to smell it. And then once you've smelled that smell, then you know that that's sure. wheat. It's um, kind of bready. You know, yeah. you get a little bready in this in there. And, those, and the, that's the same, just trying to find the right word it, yeah, to describe what tough. you smell. But what's nice about this one and, you know, the, the difference between, I guess, the Hefeweizen is like, this one smells like I would imagine wheat to smell like, but th- it doesn't leave like a offensive like aftertaste or anything. Like it's super smooth and easy to drink once it's going sure. down your gullet. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, the guys at the brewery, I mean, we all like beer. We all drink beer a lot to say the least. Really? Uh, so we generally like <laughs> IPA, strong beers, full flavored beers. So I like to joke that the, the yellow armadillo is like the redheaded stepchild of for us. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's like, yeah. oh, the light beer on the corner that we don't drink very much. <laughs> but I found myself, my wife loves it. I found myself reaching for that more often just because I've it's drank easy, too many. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah. and, and of all of our beer, that's the one that's won an award. It won a silver medal. Really? At the the Great American Beer Fest this year in Denver. Well, Good on you, Yellow Armadillo. Cool. Yeah. So it kind of surprised everybody. We sent five samples off, you know, all our staple beers, and uh, I think the Pale Head, which is a seasonal we do, uh, Pale Ale, and the well, little red-headed stepchild comes yeah. back <laughs> with the award. So. And it came <laughs> back. Screw you guys. Hey. I'm going. Yeah, with this award <laughs> just to spite you. It's like, don't even tell me thank you, Mom and Dad. I don't care. This is for me. Just keep making it. Please <laughs> yeah. keep making it. It's all I care. Now, once again, i got to ask, where does the title Yellow Armadillo come from? We're, this is the second animal we've got now. So, like I like I, the, I'm I'm guessing at this. I haven't. I actually haven't heard the story on Yellow Armadillo. Uh, it's before my time here at the brewery, but uh, I believe that it's a Texas thing. And Brian mm-hmm. or when they when they came up with the beer, they kind of wanted something to fit into that niche of a lighter beer with some flavor, but yeah. they didn't want to call it a, a wheat beer because of right. the misnomers around wheat beer. So they called it a Texas ale. Because, I don't know, that's kind of up for interpretation. Because that sounds yeah. awesome. So, you know, what, you know, what's more Texas than armadillos, I guess? So, <laughs> there you go. And that's my guess. Nothing you know, much. Don't hold me to it. And it's nice and yellow. So yeah, it is yellow. It's appropriate. It's the thing. Yeah, it's got a cute <laughs> this logo. This one's called so. the black armadillo. And it's very yellow. <laughs> we could do that, like a black. Yeah. I don't know how we'd do that, but we could do that. So, another just a personal question I have for you. Where, where did your fascination with beer start? Like, at what point in time in your life where you're like, I enjoy beer, and this is something that I want to pursue, and what steps did you follow to land yourself here sure. where you're getting to make it every day? Cool. Um, I guess, you know, I'm from, I, I hail from Montana, and uh, I went to college there, and I started drinking beer in college, not in high school, mom and dad, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is actually true. Time I, was little, I was a late bloomer when it came to the drinking game. Um, so but, were we. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it's funny because sometimes people will say, you know, well, what was the beer that got you into craft beer? Or, you know, what was yeah. the first one you had? I know and mine. I, the only thing that I can think of, and this may be lame, but it was Blue Moon because... Blue it moon. gets you out of there. Yeah. It, well, it had flavor. Whatever mm-hmm. for whatever good or bad. Now it has fl- it had some flavor. Right. And uh, what I ended up doing was finding a local beer that tasted like Blue Moon. Yeah. Gravitating towards that. And that was called Harvest Moon. 
which was made in Belt, Montana, B-E-L-T. So they called it a Belgian B-E-L-T. That's nice. white instead of a Belgian <laughs> the white. The puns are flying. So good Montana beer, good is local clever. beer. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was kind of the gateway for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember drinking IPAs and not liking them. Yeah. Thinking, wow, it's oh, yeah. just bitter. It's just too bitter. And now yeah. it's like, if it's not bitter enough, it's, you know, it's weak. <laughs> it's weak. So uh, I kind of started drinking, started liking craft beer when I was in college. Uh, and when I moved here to Austin after I graduated, I was like, wow, I missed the good beer in Montana. I was surprised how good some of the beer was. A lot of local beer there. And uh, so I started looking for beer here in town. And I was lucky that it was right around the time that it kind of got real popular in Austin. Yeah. And I moved here right around the same time, maybe a few months before Thirsty Planet got started. And, uh, you know, kind of as the industry grew, blew up in Austin, I kind of started paying attention. You were growing so, with it. Basically. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, my beer whatever started growing Your beard? My, my beard i was about to say yeah <laughs> it was like a it's like been a, growing for that long it's like a uh, radar <laughs> i got here and it grew at exponential rates like when you're yeah. a beer master you're you're gonna be like pie may over they do they do correlate somehow <laughs> yeah. mine clearly doesn't <laughs> my beer radar is flat it took, took years of wanting a beard before i could actually grow one <laughs> yeah. so i don't know if that could i guess i'm well on my way yeah. then <laughs> you got, got time We've wanted it for a while. You've got time, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I never, I mean, I never would have thought to work in the beer industry, but the more I started to like it, the more I would seek it out and learn about the different breweries, go to brewery tours, and I, I remember one day going, "What the hell is the difference between a lager and a pills, or a lager and an ale?" Yeah. So I, you know, Wikipedia did, and so then I just kind of started learning more and more stuff about it. You know, what makes an amber what, and et cetera, et cetera. And it became something I enjoyed as a hobby. So to drink it, to find it, to learn about it a little bit. So, um, and then, and I used to have friends in, in college that would brew beer. And I, you know, I kinda, say it was like a hippy dippy thing, but it was like, hey, he's out there making beer. Just go he's doing it just to say he's like out in his yard with a big pot <laughs> brewing, you know. Yeah. And now I'm like, man, they've got to jump on me by 10 years or yeah. so. Like, you know, so much more than I do. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I guess, the kind of the craft beer surge in Austin that got me really excited now, into it. what's kind of cool is tangentially, Thirsty Planet was one of the breweries that was sort of spearheading that whole entire Yeah, I mean, was, they right? were definitely part of it, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the stats exactly, but, you know, around that time, there were four or five, you know, prominent ones here mm-hmm. in town, and they were definitely one of the ones that started to, like, I would say before the wave or the crest of the wave. Yeah. Um, and you know, back when Thirsty Planet started, it was four or five, six, whatever, you know, breweries in, you know, that you could call Austin breweries. And now right. there's, they're in the teens. It's like 15, 18. If you count brew pubs, it's almost 20. I mean, it's growing exponentially and there's a new brewery all the time. And, 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 and now what's nice is that it's not just Austin. It's the mm-hmm. whole state. Yeah. I mean, we're getting really? Dallas, Texas, you know, that's so good. Tiny towns my mind. Are the guys, we literally beat the crap out of football in eighth yeah. grade. They're making like good beer. <laughs> Somebody now. started a little brewery there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and then, and Dallas and Houston, you know, make whatever jokes you want. Carbock, dude. Uh, I love Carbock. They've got whatever. some good breweries up there. Saint Arnold, so dude. when it's meets, when it's reached that mainstream, that suburbia like level mm-hmm. of popularity. Yeah. You know, you know, things are going well. Um, I, in, so, that, in that same vein, also, to continue on, and I definitely want to get back to your journey that got you here, but staying on Thirsty Planet and 
the rise of craft beer in yes. Austin, it seems like it's not slowing down. You know, it seems like the crest hasn't really been reached. Yeah, um, I mean, I would hate to say that we've seen the crest, but you wonder. Uh, you, I mean, I guess you wonder when and how, if it'll stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you can kind of look to is, and this is kind of neat history, is that before Prohibition, there was, excuse me, I forget exactly. I mean, I might be misquoting this, but something like 4,000 breweries in the country. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we haven't reached that yet. We're so still below We're that. still pre-prohibition levels. We're getting close to pro, 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 pre-prohibition, pre-prohibition levels <laughs> of breweries. Jeez. So people have always wanted good beer, and we're catching up to that. Yeah. And so I don't see it slowing down. It's I see I see Magnolia, Texas, and tiny little towns supporting mm-hmm. a brewery, a production mm-hmm. brewery, um, and so if that's the case, every small little town can support a brewery. Yeah, they want the local. They, people like to know where their stuff comes from. You know, local, the local war movement, if you will, and all that. Yeah, I've read. So, I've read business articles about how like the. I mean, I think Austin is sort of spearheading this local brew, like micro brew effort and it seems like it's blowing up almost faster than anyone expected and it's like i feel like y'all are luckily at the forefront of that which is really exciting like as y'all continue to afford you're doing your new bottling stuff and right. so y'all have a lot of opportunities coming up right i think it's what's good. specifically like a unique trait to the austin area too is that each brewery seems to be like very cooperative and almost like rooting for each other in a way too you know, it's like co-opetition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, you, you've definitely touched on something that, that I appreciate in, in the industry and, and, you know, and you were asking me like my journey, but I mean, that's one thing that gravi- that kind of, I kind of gravitated towards was that, um, you don't see that like cutthroat business sense very much yeah. in the industry. And it's, I, for whatever it is, it might, it's just, I think it's because people like beer more <laughs> I mean well I mean they like beer more than than you would anything else that you can sell yeah and I those mean, are the ones know, who are heading the entire yeah, like those are the ones creating the companies so it's a, it's a it's a camaraderie and a and a sharing mentality that you don't see in a lot of industries which I appreciate because mm-hmm. um, you can because you can go to your neighbor and say, hey, how do you do this? And they'll say, hey, I'll tell you instead of saying, no, that's trade secret or something like yeah, that. Exactly. So you don't see that. You will see that more. I mean, it's just inevitable that that the profit margins are going to shrink and the competition is going to get fiercer, and you'll probably see some of that. It's just the way things go when, when something becomes really popular. But it hasn't reached main critical mass. Yeah. yeah, critical mass, if you will. So At the same time, like you're not looking at the guy down the street and like hoping that he makes a bad batch of no, beer yeah. and I mean, stuff there's like that. No, not, as far as I know, there's no ill will. I mean, of course, within business, there's always specific bad business cases and things like that. But yeah, probably like higher up. No, like people stuff, come over like to our brewery and they borrow our, they want to use some yeast, so we'll give them some yeast and they'll make their beer with it. And we don't say, hey, I, you want, I want proceeds <laughs> of your beer. Cause yeah, exactly. Our, you Which know, you probably somebody, could, honestly. I mean, I, I mean, I imagine you could come up with something eventually, but, you know, or the people sort of use our speak. keg cleaning machine and we'll just trade them. For something, <laughs> the bartering, the whole bartering scale, you know, that was that existed long ago, like is fun in the brewing industry because people will come, you know, down the street from us is the the some guys that make granola bars, so they'll come fill up their growlers <laughs> and give us granola bars, and it's like cool, nice. yeah, you know, 
why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so. we're all Austin hippies, so we like granola. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, yeah. do you know anything about the legal aspect of breweries? Because I know that there's a lot of, like, legal red tape that was preventing the growth of beer making in Austin for a while, but I think that they're breaking through on a lot of that right now. Do you feel like that kind of has anything to do with, like, this recent growth and, like... A little bit. Um, I think people want to make beer and they're going to find a way no matter where. I mean, you'll find, like, some of the most, like, prohibitive laws are in the South. Prohibition didn't stop us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And people will find a way to do it. Really, what it... To me, what it does is just kind of stymies growth. The laws, they're all... They're archaic. Um, But... In Texas specifically, there was a few laws that were like sti- ridiculous. They stimulated, right? like, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, and so, a few breweries got together and uh, brought a lawsuit against this, the commission, the alcohol yeah. commission. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and they were able to get, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but like seventy-five percent of their their wishes changed. That's great. Uh, some of the things, like directly, breweries can now sell on premise. Great. Brew pub. You know, it's, it's things like that where it was like you weren't allowed to sell your own beer <laughs> so on stupid. site without... <laughs> Pretty much forcing you into a middleman situation, yeah. which is so the, outrageous. The three-tier system is is, is an old system, and it, it, it is beneficial generally, um, but there are certain cases where it, it might hurt the small guy or whatever, you know. Um, you know, I don't want to get into a political thing about right, it. Yeah. But no, let's do it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's hash it out. Yeah. Uh, but no, some of the laws have changed for the better around here, and that's definitely due to some breweries stepping up and putting in some of the time and effort that it takes to get laws changed. That's cool. I didn't know that it was like an effort by, by brewers yeah. and stuff. There's actually a law. There's actually like a lawsuit right now. I can't remember exactly what it has to do with uh, distribution rights, and there's two or three breweries that are plaintiffs in that case right now. And um, I think... At some point, each brewery will will step up or participate whenever those laws come because it, it is time and money and an energy drain on you know an individual brewery to to participate in those lawsuits. Right. So they, as the industry, we kind of like take turns. Mm-hmm. What brewery has a little bit extra time and money right now to kind of help with that lawsuit, and then the next lawsuit, if another one comes up, it'll be a different kind of group of right breweries. <clears throat> yeah. So finishing up. You were there on Wikipedia, learning more. Learning more. Uh, Your hunger was not satiated. You know, I, yeah, I, was, I started homebrewing. My, my wife got me a kit, and I Boom, made, made Brooke some beer at is home. coming yeah. in. Yeah, way clutch. to go. The Tummel, B Tummel. Oh, she's B Elliot now. So. <laughs> yeah, but watch out. <laughs> she changed her last name. But, uh, yeah, she kind of was, she saw that I liked it and said, well, here you go. So she got me some stuff, and I started brewing. And I uh, she also... <clears throat> my wife works with one of the co or one of the girlfriends of one of the, my coworkers here now. Okay. And so that was kind of, you know, it's who, you know, got to get your uh, connections. You know, I met Ben and yes, sir. Um, you know, he's, he was like, I work at a brewery. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. I'm sure like every time I saw him and all I wanted to talk about was beer. He was just like, this guy's annoying. This guy <laughs> but, sucks. Uh, yeah. I would come out and help out at the brewery and, I tried to uh, learn as much as I could by reading some books. And once I started brewing at home, I realized there's a whole lot more I want to know. Yeah. And yeah. I just kept trying to read and learn. And then, you know, I got just incredibly lucky right time in my place that when Thirsty Planet needed some more people, they, I was on the list of people to call. So 
Cool. That's badass. Yeah. It just kind of congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Living well, the dream. <laughs> so before we move on from the yellow armadillo, because we've all pretty much ran out. Um, yeah. Do we need more? <laughs> yeah, we might need to. We might. I just want to ask real quick. Besides the fact that we said it smelled like wheat and it wasn't very hoppy, mm-hmm. what sort of flavor notes can you typically come to expect from a wheat beer? And, and maybe from this one in particular. I mean, this one, you, you just get a little bit of a bready finish. You don't get a whole lot of flavor as far as... It's not you know, an outrageous amount of any type of flavor. It's just a little crisp, light beer with a little bready aftertaste. It's kind of yeah. what I get from it. Yeah, so, this yeah. thing in front of me I mean, says light citrusy notes, which, I mean... Might have been there. I didn't really like drink it and think citrus. See, but that's, what, that's what's funny is like I almost feel as though when I taste a super light beer, I just want to say citrus because yeah. I think those two things are advertised together. Kind of get well. like a lemonade yeah. lemonadiness. Right. Yeah, lemonade. but I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily there. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe like I said, in, subjective. Maybe um, in the hops or something. I, I wouldn't I say a whole lot of citrus in that, but you, you yeah, you get a li- some of the hops. Like we use uh, cas- Cascade hops mm-hmm. in in the, th- the yellow armadillo and Cascade generally is known for a citrusy aroma yeah, you know, yeah. And a little bit of a citrus flavor not all, not a whole lot of citrus flavor but mostly a citrus aroma from mm-hmm. the citrus, some, from the cascade which is a really popular hops and so that's i think kind of where you get that from you when, know if you broke it down you could probably right dispute <clears throat> anything you wanted but when you have the flavors that are so subjective like that do you feel like there's ever like a hashing out that needs to be had between people about like what a beer actually is and what you should advertise it as I would imagine, with, you know, in the marketing departments of places, yeah. I mean, around here, no. Good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's kind of, you know, the, the craft beer, the micro beer, brewery industry. It, it doesn't have to be that. We don't need to confer with our marketing department and say, what would be the best buzzword for this and this and this. Right. It's just kind of like, yeah, we get some citrus from it. We use Cascade hops. So that seems to fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, not to deme- demean it or make excuses but i think it's just it's just kind of it is what it is and it's not as much of that posturing if you yeah overreaching i feel like is more more destructive than yeah Mm -mm. well and yeah moving on to the last beer that we have cool this one is the silverback pale ale now just like all the other ones let's go ahead and profile what we can expect flavor wise and you know the body and all that from a pale ale sure uh, a pale ale is like a really old style, a really standard style, and it's um, been done in a million different ways, so it's almost like lost some of its... Yeah. I mean, you, and that's what you get when you get as much input as we do now. We right. get 3,000 breweries or whatever there are now doing their version of a pale ale, and, and everyone's putting out their take on it mm-hmm. so there's spins on it and like traditionally english pale ales were nowhere near as hoppy as american pale ales are right you, you know <clears throat> nowadays a, a pale ale might be what someone thought an ipa was a few years ago yeah um so i mean usually a pale ale is just it's an ale it's not a lager it's lighter in body it's crisp it's got some flavor but it's not overbearing um Maybe I mean, and it's, it's the like hops a, are there more so than say the wheat beer or a lager. 
it almost seems like a balance between what we had last in the armadillo and then the amber that we just had. Yeah, like a I mean, middle there's no wheat in the silverback or in a pale ale generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to say you can use it in a little quantity, but anytime, I think anytime you you put in 25 percent or more, you 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 call it a wheat beer. Yeah, you're stamping it with that flavor. Yeah, I mean, you can't do you couldn't necessarily do an all wheat beer because you don't get the properties you need just from the wheat. You do need some of that two row enzymes and, and, and sugars mm-hmm. that you can't just get from wheat. Um, but I mean, this, the silverback is, um, pretty straightforward as far as the pale ale aspect goes. Nice little hoppy crisp. Um, but the thing that sets the, the silverback like claim to fame, I guess, if you will, is that we do use some spice in there and we actually nice. brew with spice and it's called grains of paradise. It's like a pepper. Oh, um, okay. And the whole thing behind the silverback is actually, uh, we do it in conjunction with another brewery in Colorado. Um, it's all for a charity that we do. We do the Gorilla Run every yes, year. This sounds awesome. Yeah, we're like the we're the Austin sponsor for beer sponsor for the the Gorilla Run, which is like a 5K in gorilla suits. It's uh, so funny. Which, if, yeah, <laughs> so if I gotta funny, run, I might man. as well dress up like a monkey and, the, and the, enjoy I it. I could just picture the starting line. How ridiculous that must look. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely if I'm. I'm definitely going to be wearing my Seahawks gear to, to rep them for yeah. the Super Bowl, which is the day, it's the day before the Super Bowl, so I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> if not, I will wear some brewing paraphernalia or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my favorite part about the advertisement is it says like "drink a beer, save a gorilla," and I'm yeah. like, one, that's the easiest way to save a gorilla I've ever heard of. <laughs> Two, if that's the case, I've been saving gorillas all year. Yeah, yeah. That's all it hell of gorillas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah, count me in. Um, anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a charity for, for gorilla preservation. Um, and so you can feel a little bit better about drinking beer. Um, Which not, I'm not down that we need that. But. Me and Chase recently had a conversation about like the rowdiest animals that exist. Yes. And I think Chase thinks that the gorilla is the rowdiest animal. Oh, straight up. Like... Now, there's, there's two so schools of thought here, right? Okay. You've got, like, the bear, the there's brown bear. the grizzly bear, bear yeah. You come up on a bear, you're done. It's going to be awful. I'm not okay. denying that. But I'm saying you come up in nature on a gorilla, and <laughs> that, you... That wants to hurt you. You are in for the worst <laughs> end you can possibly imagine. I guess, yeah. And I that mean, is what we're fighting to save, Do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. yeah. Gorillas are beautiful creatures. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, that's the charity that we do with that. And, uh, yeah, so you're carrying the torch from this yeah, other it's, brewery it's, that it was started, started in Denver. Uh, I believe it was the Wincoop uh, Brewery in Denver, and they brewed this beer, you know, as a way to sell against the, the charity and then make proceeds for it. Um, and the, the correlation is that the, the Grains of Paradise uh, is a staple of the upland i believe the upland gorillas diet like the area oh yeah interesting so the silverback gorillas eat grains of paradise as one of their main great types of food so we we got more in the beer even now seriously you know kind of opposable thumbs grains of paradise (laughs) they they get rowdy and they 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 drink beer (laughs) yeah so uh, they argue about politics yeah whatever whatever it is (laughs) yeah they're a good time it sounds like either way you look at it and don't like other states do the same thing? As yeah, well, like? I'm not sure what what all there are, but I believe Denver was the original, and then there's some satellite cities that do it each year. Um, That's great. Yeah, so we are the cool. Austin sponsor for that. And, so uh, when it comes to how this beer tastes, um, this one seems very similar to the Thirsty Goat to me. 
only it seems a lot like lighter and easier. But that spice that you mentioned, I feel like I'm getting it more on like the back end. Um, not you know maybe like the aftertaste, but not aftertaste or sort of on the back of my tongue. Right, on like the taste profile you're getting at the end. Yeah, I mean, is that yeah. far I'd, off? Yeah. Or? I mean, you, you probably should get a little bit in the aroma, but it's kind of like a peppery thing where it, it might, hide, might hide behind some of the hops. I feel like you get it in the smell, but not like in the immediate taste of it almost. Right. It's like... Yeah, I think you get it in the smell. And it's, it's you know, we don't... You put it in towards the end of the whirlpool, so you're really not... You're not going to get a whole lot of the flavor... So it's it. more of an aroma. So it, it'll be mostly thing. an aroma thing, but then like a spice is going to act a little different than a hops. Like mm-hmm. it, it probably infuses in there a little differently. And I mean, this is like I said, some yeah, of this I'm stuff sure. is above my head. Yeah. You know what the chemical reaction is exactly? But um, freak of all, it's it's yeah. <laughs> that boy, I love it, man. I can't stop doing it. Man. <laughs> Tell me, school me on this, yeah. please. Get your pencils ready, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> But yeah, it's subtle. It is there, but it's subtle. So it's just a drinkable beer with a nice little. Yeah, this is nice. It, you know? Yeah, this is this is straightforward. It's I, it's straightforward, but not like not boring. Remiss. Straightforward. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not. Yeah, it's not boring. It's not missing I, anything. I find myself reaching for the silverback when it's on. We do it in January. It comes out like first second week of January or second week of December usually in the mm-hmm. in the winter because we do the. Uh, the gorilla run is on the 31st, January 31st, mm-hmm. uh, this year, usually around that first, the last weekend in January. Um, so we, we brew it that seasonally. Anyway, that's what I usually reach for. In the, yeah. When, right. awesome. when I'm here, when I want a beer, I grab that. Cause it's just, it's a lot of flavor, but it's not, it's not too overbearing in any right. aspect. I don't know so, if yeah. you can answer this. Um, so, um, so work with me only if you have to. What is the meaning um, of life? <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be tough. <laughs> yeah. um, totally other tangent. Like, you're going to be, I mean, you're starting your bottling part right now. You're starting to bar- bottle beers and stuff, right? Right. Your main one will probably be the Thirsty Goat. Yeah. To Are you going to be trying to bottle other beers as well? Um, I, I think right now we we can't say you yes don't know. or no. I okay. think, uh, I mean, ideally, yes. We'll bottle everything we can and sell it all. But um, it's just... You got to do that first time. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to see how we can handle the, the production capacity that we're going right. to need just to do Thirsty Goat in bottles. You know, it's, it's at least one more brew a week, you know. And I bet y'all bottling. will be surprised by how, oh, I think, I think by the demand. We're, yeah, we all are joking that life <laughs> is going to change for us all of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it will. But it's not a joke. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I <laughs> But it's, it's uh, less and less a joke as we go. Close. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a good problem to have. And uh, I think we're excited to see the brand grow and see where it goes. Uh, you know, we you reach a whole different market when you, when you can sell a decent beer in in the store. You know, yeah, because yeah, sure. not everybody wants to go to the bar and, and drink a beer. Nope, or even <laughs> does go, or does no. go at all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to put a cool logo out there with a good beer behind it and see where it goes. Yeah, we're all. I think it means a lot for everybody around here. So totally, it's awesome. Um, one Wait, more. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. To, no, to, go ahead. to finish with that, we we do have the capacity. You know, with the bottling line to do a larger bottle, so we could do like a twenty-two ounce bomber. Oh, really? So yes. Wait, awesome. You know, down the road. Down maybe, the road. You know, maybe man. we could do things like our double bucket head in a bottle and do it yeah. seasonally. Uh, <laughs> like I mean, a double you know, bucket in a bottle. It'd be like, cool. You know, <laughs> You'd be that's done. a nap in a bottle. Charge a lot more for it. <laughs> Dirt nap. Yeah. Nap in a bottle. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so, just another quick question I have. We, when looking at all these beers compared side by side, you know, the sure. Thirsty Goat was a pretty dark brown. Mm-hmm. Um, the yellow Armadillo was super yellow. 
And this pale ale is like a little lighter than th- the goat, but not as light as the yellow. So sure. when it comes to the color of the beer, that is clearly from the uh, malt that you used in the mash. Now, is there ever, can you make a pretty good guess at flavors just from the color of, of the beer? Like, do you know when you get grain here that this grain is really dark, so it's probably going to produce these flavors? Or is it super dependent on just the type of grain? D- y- yes, y- you you can. Uh, I think, you know, as your palate gets refined and as you know more, you can decipher. Now, I don't want to say that a dark beer is always a thick beer. Mm-hmm. Generally is the case, but you can have a dark lager. Which so is can, one of my favorite yeah, types of beer. You no, can have a grain with, yeah. you can use, so color in a beer is all from the grain that's used. The hops, the yeast, the water, those don't change the color at all. It's all about the grain for color. Taste, of course, can be the water, can be the hops, can be the yeast, can be the grain. Mm-hmm. All those things add to taste. Aroma, a little bit of the grain, mostly the hops. Um, so within that, you're going to get certain flavors within the color ranges that kind of always fall correlate. Yeah. So you're not going to say a light beer is roasty almost uh-huh. ever. <laughs> unless, unless somehow you added smoke with no some miracle you know. worker. So generally, rock like there's going to be that was, yeah, the Roush that was beer. pretty roasty. Yeah, what, what color was the Roush <laughs> beer? It was yellow. It was, it was like a brown. It looked like a Bud Light. Yeah, that's true. It was. It was sure. weird. That was it was a odd. Bud Light. So, yeah. bacon. so you can get generally smokiness is a term with a darker beer because of a roasted mm-hmm. flavor. Right. So when you to to make a quick explanation of it malt is a barley or a cereal grain the germination process was started with some water and then it was kilned or dried to stop that process at a certain point the more it is kilned the more it is baked basically heated up the darker the 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 malt will be the darker the roast so uh, a two row is not is basically the germination process has started it's then cut short by baking it, and it's stopped, and it's still a light-colored grain. Same with, like, a light wheat. Now, the darker you get the grain, the more roasted it is, the more you're going to get those notes. So um, all the grains that we were putting in today, they at some point have been, like, treated in some way, is what you're saying, kind or, of? Like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say treated as in, like, chemicals or anything. Were right, right, right. But no, right. It, they were, they've all been manipulated yes. to be what they are. Okay. They, they are bent in yeah. nature to I kind of thought that they were just like, you know, just yes, run of the mill they, put no, in. They didn't just pull the barley off the husk and put it in a bag. It's, it was malted. Okay. So malt is a process. Malting is a process. It's basically starting a germination, starting the germination to get the, the, the starch to kind of like be exposed, if you will. And then you stop that by heating it. You stop that process. And then when we crush the grain before when we mill it in, than when we expose that starch even more. Yeah. Um, so the darker it is, the more it's been kilned, and you're generally going to get roasty, coffee, mm-hmm. charcoal, smoky, those kind of flavors. Right. It's, it's really dark. Yeah. In the middle, you get caramel, nutty, toffee. You get those flavors from mm-hmm. the, the middle notes. So an amber has a lot of those, like, middle, if, if you will, So at the malts. end of the day, just mid-range, yeah. that two-row could have been kilned for longer it would have tasted different yep okay yeah so you could i mean i think two row and i don't know the specifics but two row 
if you start to malt it more, then you start getting into your C60s, your crystal 60s. Okay, crystal so it's really fees. just more about how long it's been roasted that the classification yeah, comes to, from. Yeah, to, to simplify it, it is. Now, there's different types of grains that you'll malt at different temperature right, times right. and what, you know, to get those different names. And there's, uh, like you saw that chart on the wall. <laughs> well, that was for the yeast, but there's a whole chart on that, like on just different types of grains. Yeah, and sure. then, it, you know, barley that comes from Germany is going to have a little bit different characteristics. Just because the soil. Barley comes from America. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, like a, a base beer is a um, two row, but also uh, Carapils or uh, like a German, German Pilsner malt is a base beer for a lot of beers. And that's going to have a totally different, you know, subtle, it's subtle, but it's going to be a totally different profile than just a two row. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, your your flavors and your colors definitely come from the grain. Yep, great. Yeah. Well, Tyrell, I cannot thank you enough for what you've done. Today um, has been awesome. It's been a blast. It has been, been an easy super day. Super awesome. Not only Thanks for the help. Inv- yeah, not only inviting us to come out here and help you brew, which is going to be a memory that's going to be sealed in my mind forever, yes. but also lending your expertise to all of the beers that we've just tasted and really helping. <laughs> our audience sort of wade <laughs> through the miasma that is tasting beer. Because we would not have provided any of that. <laughs> yeah. We would have been like, well, it's brown. And it's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's brown is good. And I also want to say, like, we've had a pretty good, like, smattering of guests on now, which makes me super excited. And, you know, I just, I hope Chris is listening right now. And I hope he's that, up, I hope he's this much angry. Are we streaming? Is he listening right yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> You better be. Yeah, so you know right now, anytime you want, you got to try to one-up this guy. But good luck. <laughs> because it's <laughs> pretty good, man. He's, he's got set, his own table mic and everything. Oh, yeah, he sets the bar good. high. I come prepared. No now, I want to take a quick break real fast. Uh, we just drank a good amount of beer. i got to use the restroom. I don't know about you nice. guys. That's fair. When we get back, um, I want to start giving more information about the Gorilla Run, uh, okay. where people can sign up, cool. what's going on with that. Plugging up outro. Exactly. Um, so let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. Okay. Refill. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. And we're back. We had to take a quick little bathroom break, but that's to be expected when you, uh... Chase. Hey, come on. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, man. But now I'm proud to introduce the woman with hair yellower than our armadillo <laughs> is Allison. Allison from uh, Thirsty Planet. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. How's it feel to be the first female voice on the podcast? Um, it feels pretty good. I mean, I um, I feel like there's a lot of firsts for me. I I work with <laughs> I work with all guys, so I, f- I, f- I feel like I should just be. She's like, hey guys. Yeah, I'm like I'm trying to. I've been drinking beer and watching sports. I feel like I'm gonna grow some hair on my chest. So. There you go. You do drive a big red truck. So I do. That. I do. There is that. So I already got that going for I me. I drive but. a Volkswagen Golf, so you're pretty much manlier than <laughs> I am at this point. I feel pretty manly. Yeah. But, yeah, I wanted to let you talk real fast because we talked about the Silverback Pale Ale for a little while and what that represents as a charity. And we mentioned briefly the Silverback Gorilla Run. Uh, let's get some more details on that, what it's all about, and when it's coming up. Plug away. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we brewed our Silverback Pale Ale um, as the official beer of the Gorilla Run. Um, it's delicious. Uh, it's really crisp and light. It actually is made with um, grains of paradise, which is actually, it aids in the diet of mountain gorillas. So it's kind of just come in full circle. Um, so we've been um, debuting that for about a month now. And um, we are kicking off our Gorilla Run pub crawl uh, on January 24th, Saturday, January 24th. 
Um, it starts at Bangers um, on oh, Rainy man. Street. Yeah, great so. starting spot. That might have to be the starting and the finishing spot, honestly. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. We're, there's a lot of places to hit. We're gonna travel down Rainy Street and um, yeah, just people are gonna be in gorilla suits. Um, we're gonna you know promote the the gorilla run that way, and then the official run uh, commences on uh, Saturday, January 31st. So um, we meet at Mueller Park, and everybody's in their their gorilla outfits and yeah when you sign up you for the first time it the cost includes a gorilla suit right it does yes so if you are a first time gorilla um you do have to buy your suit unless you have one hanging around i know a lot of people probably don't have a gorilla <laughs> you never know you never know yeah, i guess true. you do never know but first time gorilla might also be the greatest rap band name of all time <laughs> yes <laughs> super i great. love it i yeah. thought it would be like gorilla like in the in thing in there. Yeah, yeah, we do yeah that's true. Yeah, go Rilla. <laughs> that's you, true. you play off the race aspect, like with its ready, set, go. I got it. Um, yeah, we may have an open position for you for our advertising department. That sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah, I'm great, great, you know what? Great I'm great ideas. at accounting as well. So. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Cool. I can We're sweep really good. Yeah, no, I mean, you haven't heard. I can drink a lot of beer as well. <laughs> well, you'd fit right in then. That's awesome. But yeah, so yeah, you can register online. Um, for the run, um, of course, you don't have to drink to enjoy the festivities. Um, definitely it, helps. It definitely helps. Yep, it'll it'll warm you up for the run and keep you going. But uh, you can go to www.austingorillarun.com. Um, that site will give you all the information about even the pub crawls and other gorilla ga- gatherings. Excuse me, that we are having around Austin. Um, and then two, if you are a social media whore, you can go on oh. to uh, oh, <laughs> PG thirteen. <laughs> Bring me in, just yeah. Gained, gained or lost a few listeners, um, but yeah. So uh, we're on Instagram um, at Thirsty Planet Brewing, uh, Facebook at Thirsty Planet Brewing Brewery as well, um, and then Twitter at Thirsty underscore Planet. So check us out. Yeah, follow them up. Also, I want to ask you as well, so the tasting room in here is spectacular. It's not like most other breweries, like Tyrell was saying, where it's like, we brew beer and you can come and taste it in the corner over here and we'll pump you out a little bit from the keg. You guys have a full setup, a bunch of tables, an outdoor area full of benches and games and stuff. Like the main bar is just kick-ass. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. the wood fine looks wood. like it came from the red oaks and Freaking cedars. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> So when are you guys open so people can come here and taste what you've got? So our tasting room is open uh, every Saturday from 11 to 3 p.m., um, of course, except on the gorilla run date, so January 31st. Don't be, don't be coming here. Of course. Be, yes. Yeah. Be don't running, be a fool. Don't be an us. idiot. Yes, exactly. The doors will be closed. But yes, every other Saturday, um, yeah, from 11 to 3, and um, yeah, we have an air-conditioned, um, for obviously the summer months, uh, tasting room. And um, it is enclosed. It's really awesome. So, yeah, come join us and drink some beer with us. It's been our safe haven from the brewery that has been extremely cold. Yes, we do this heat the taste room. <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not monsters. <laughs> just the Sweet. people that are employed here are cold. Yeah. In the back. Sweet Jesus. I know. Like, I don't want this podcast to end because it's been super fun. But I kind of do want it to end so I can be warm for yeah. the first time yeah, in like 10 hours. Shower, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoy myself. No, the, the taste room is nice. Uh, just a little history on it. Like, Brian, Brian, the owner, his father built a lot of the tables that are in here and awesome. built the bar. So, There's such a good know, vibe here. There's just aspect, so much yeah. just, like, charisma and yeah. chemistry. Yeah. And feel it's, just it. a, it's a good place to share the beer, which is the whole purpose. And so. share the memories. Yep. Let Great. the memories Come flow. Come in and have a good afternoon. Drink well, the beer. 
before we end the show, I just want to say thanks again to both of you guys and to the entire Thirsty Planet staff for letting Seriously. us come here, letting us brew and have like an excellent experience, and letting letting us taste your beer and have this and let this show go on. So I thank think you. This was literally like our dream. Like from day one, we talked about the ability to maybe go to a brewery, give them free, free promotion, drink a few of their beers. Yeah. All of the above was accomplished today. Awesome. Seriously. We brewed with it's a symbiotic, so it was great. symbiotic relationship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thank you guys so much for coming out. You've been awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a pleasure having you guys out. No, no um, problem. It's, yeah. it's really easy for us because we don't have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in that case, you want to come clean some kegs? (laughs) Maybe, because I need to buy milk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and start our own, like, plug-a-thon over here. So Witty Banter can be found in a multitude of ways. We're on iTunes, of course, to search Witty Banter. You can hit subscribe. Every week, our download will show up in your download queue for free. If you don't use iTunes, just go to wittybantershow.com. You can download all the episodes there as well. Uh, Like us on Facebook or facebook.com slash wittybanterpodcast. And then we're also on Twitter. We're at Witty Banter Show. We'll, sh- we'll shoot you little uh, quips and stuff every once in a while there. Just like that. Also, we're on YouTube. We're finally doing video segments. We haven't done one in a little while, mostly because Macomb School has been failing us and won't let us. Don't say that. Free cameras oh, are not true. available. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little we're not salty. school right now. Man. I'm a little salty. <laughs> We're on YouTube. Just search YouTube. You gotta pay for things, Chase, once in a while. Hey, dude, I don't... I'm not trying to face reality here on this show, my friend. Just go to YouTube, search Witty Banter, episode whatever, and our ugly faces will pop up. Uh, that's, that's, that's everything for Woody Banter. We are also on Twitter. Bodacious Chase, Diesel Dorset. And yeah. Do y'all have Twitters? Uh, at Tyrelliot. At Tyrelliot. Tyrelliot. Do you have a Twitter? It's been a while. Allison, do you have a... Um, I do not have a Twitter, but I love Instagram because I can't read, so I just look at pictures. <laughs> Are you an Insta babe? Um, I'm an Insta babe, yeah. There you go. Um, Allison Dried Bromados is my wow. name. Wow. Allison Dried Bromados. It's quite the mouthful, but... <laughs> You really are, bro. Yeah. Wow, she lives witty up to Witty banter just yeah, got so out. much wittier. She's hanging in there, yeah. She started our season yeah. right. I yeah. know, right? Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Season four is officially underway. We have big hopes and dreams for it, as we hope you can see you in this episode, and we hope you enjoy the ride as well. And thank you so much. We will see you next time. Beep, <laughs> 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 <laughs>